What's up, everybody? Happy fucking Tuesday. Did y'all miss me? I was gone for like a whole week. Um, I was going to go to Welcome to Rockville, but then uh, life happens and I didn't end up going. So I had to take some uh, personal time and get some shit together and, you know, all is well now, but, you know, back and ready to go um, with a full week of shows playing and a bunch of good shit. And then, you know, I was, you know, had a great week and, you know, like I said, handle the personal shit. And then Saturday night, went out on date night with the, the girlfriend and went and got barbecue. And then I got fucking mad food poisoning. I'm talking, it was horrible. Like, so horrible, I shit the bed. I shit you not. Twice. And the girlfriend had to clean it up. <laughs> I feel horrible about it. And I'm still sick. But you know what? I'm back here for you guys because... Nothing brings me joy in this world more than uh, this show outside of, you know, my personal life. So I'm here for you guys. I'm here. I'm, I'm feel, still feel like ass, but I'm here for you guys. And we're going to go ahead and get this week started off awesome because I got some great shit going on. We'll talk more about that. But first, let's go ahead and uh, get that shit started, shall we? In life and in music, there is always a dark side. Whether the truth is something you don't want to tell or something somebody doesn't want to hear. These are those stories. The Black Rose Media proudly presents the dark side of music. Welcome everybody to the dark side of music. I am the great and powerful king of kings, emperor of all that is awesome. Derek, how the fuck are you doing today on this beautiful May 24th of the year that is 2020 part two. Woo. For those of y'all who went to Rockville, um, y'all had some severe weather issues. So um, that kind of sucks. Uh, big time. Y'all missed a lot of fucking concerts. Uh, Miss Moshe Shine Down, Miss Corn, No Guns and Roses, um, lots of shit was canceled over the weekend. But yesterday, I what me, uh, Sunday I think went off without a hitch, and so did uh, Thursday. So you know, at least you all know, had a, a good weekend up to a certain point, and uh, were able to close it out on a good weekend as well. But you know what, we still got a shit ton more festivals coming up this year, including the one that we're going to be talking about tonight, Blue Ridge Rock Fest. Um, we are back in, in full swing of about a month earlier than I started last year. Um, just because I want to do a lot more bands this year. Last year I did 50 or close to 60 actually. Um, this year I want to hit a lot more than that. So let's see how many I can get this year. Um, so we got a full week this week of nothing but that. And, uh, next coming weeks, we got the same thing. We kicked it off a couple weeks back with my good friends and dying oath. Um, um, who are, you know, we've had a, I've had them on the show many, many times and hung out with them and done many cool things with them. So I'm happy that they kicked this off and uh, we're going to be doing a lot with Blue Ridge this year and uh, we'll definitely cap it off in September, which 
it's only three and a half months out, guys. That's that's it. I mean, that's pretty much other than Aftershock. That's the end of the festival season. So we still got, you know, Louder Than Life. We got uh, Rocklahoma. We've got a bunch coming on. But, uh, you know, get your tickets now while you fucking can. Welcome to Rockville.com. And then later this week, I will be at the um, Atreyu um, Eve Under Fire, Nothing More, and Al- Asking Alexandria show. And I'll be bringing you some uh, live interviews from there. I am so stoked to meet Johnny and Danny and all those guys. Oh, it's going to be amazing. So I'll bring you guys that next week because I do that on Wednesday. So I'll bring you all that, guys, next week. But um, that's going to be an exciting night. So prepare for that. But on to tonight. Tonight I have another band, like I said, coming out of Blue Ridge Rock Fest. A band out of Nevada known as Preacher. They just released a new EP back on March 11th called Dream State. And here is the title track from that EP, Dream State. So here is Dream State by Preacher. Let's go! 
Preacher with the title track of their new EP, Dream State. Let's go ahead and bring on one of the members of the band now to have a nice fucking conversation. So, ladies and gentlemen, here is Stan of the band, Preacher. How's it going, man? Uh, better now. How about you? It sounded like a pretty rough, uh, rough <laughs> little thing you went through there. Dude, it was so bad. <laughs> it was That's probably brutal. the worst case of food poisoning I've ever fucking had. And the sad thing That's about awful. it was it was a place that we've been wanting to go for a fucking while. And the food was really good going in. <laughs> it was horrible coming out. Jeez. But let me tell you That's what. Rough, man. Dude, is it really, is it, it, you know, truth be told, I mean, is it really food poisoning if you don't shit the bed? It's true. You know, I mean. You, you got the full experience. <laughs> if you're not waking up, woken up from a dead ass sleep going, oh my God, that was not a fart. That's not food poisoning. Yeah. <laughs> man. See, I told you before we started, shit happens. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Figuratively and literally. Figuratively and literally. Um, you know, and being that it's like the third night of this, I'm hoping that it doesn't happen again, but I'm wearing a fucking adult diaper. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do like a makeshift one. I'll grab some of her, you know, her pads for her period and shit and just kind of make, you know, stuff them in my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> just grab the litter box and prop it underneath you know i don't know if our, our little boxes would fit underneath my ass but you know i'm sure it might work i don't know <laughs> might be a little uncomfortable and i'm sure our cats would be rather pissed why is oh, that yeah. shit in our litter box you can't make it to the toilet kids yeah i, I feel your pain uh, me and my lady we just got through a two-week covid special and we had every symptom in the book so that was a lot of fun everywhere, ranging from the blistering fevers to the shitting yourself kind of thing. Hey, you know, awesome. dude, hey, you know, again, <laughs> I'm all about, you know, open and honesty here on the show and letting people know that they're not alone in their daily struggles. Mainly, I say that as a mental health thing because I deal with my mental health issues and, you know, that's just part of who I am. But at the same time, when you're sick, you shit yourself. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't be ashamed. Well, I'm, glad to, I'm glad that you're feeling better, man. That's... You know, I, I to be honest with you, I, I do feel a lot better. I mean, the worst part of it, though, to be truthfully honest, you know, was it wasn't like the the puking or the shitting or you know it wasn't any of that or the, the cold sweats that i was having along with it no 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 the worst part about it was it was this i had this like pit in my stomach that felt like like fucking alien you know just like it was coming from the Ooh. inside out and it, it hurt so bad that it like gave me back problems like my back was tensing up i was having like chest i mean like my chest was hurting i mean it caused like this massive amount of pain and that was like the worst of it so that tells you like everything else pales in comparison to the amount of pain that i was in so I'm, i i feel a lot better today the pain is gone I'm still really weak i've been really dehydrated i'm literally drinking two of these today so that's more than a gallon of water already and i'm on my third one um but i still feel dehydrated 
Um, and it's, it's just horrible, but I feel a lot better, but you know, time to move on and, uh, be an adult again, instead of laboring around in the house going, baby, I feel horrible. (laughs) (laughs) And my girlfriend going, do I need to take you to the hospital? No, I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Did she, she actually cleaned it up though? Like that's. Well, she didn't like. She's the one that does the laundry in the house. Like, she loves to do oh, the laundry. Okay. So gotcha. she she stripped the bed, and you know she did the, um, you know she just did the laundry. But um, like she didn't actually like scrub it or you know like it wasn't like it wasn't like a massive you know to be honest with you I don't give a fuck. It, <laughs> it was just it was a shard. I mean that's what it comes down to, right? I mean it yeah. wasn't anything bad. Um, so she just had to clean it up, and what was really funny was um, our daughter. She was bringing up the laundry on the right before I came down here to set up for the show. And she goes, and, we, and our daughter goes, "Mommy, what are you doing?" She goes, "I'm going to get the laundry because Daddy pooped in the bed." And she goes, "Can I poop in the bed?" <laughs> I was like, oh man! No, no, you can't. We're not Amber Heard, goddammit. Um <laughs> So it was funny because the other day, um, what was it? You know, her biggest thing, like her daily ounce of joy every day for like the last three weeks has been the Amber Heard trial. So she thought it would be funny to start calling, you know, anytime someone shits in the bed, an Amber alert. Oh, man. So when it, when it, when it happened awesome. to me Saturday night, she goes, she looked at me and she goes, are you okay? I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I just got back. She goes, and she looked at me and she goes, did you have an Amber alert? <laughs> and I go, I don't think so. And I pulled out my phone and I turned on the light and I was like, fuck. And she goes, God damn it, Amber. <laughs> so I put a towel down and, you know, went just back to sleep and yeah. But now that we've done wasted eight minutes talking about shitting ourselves, <laughs> Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Got to start the week off right. Got the you know if you're not again if you're not shitting yourself in your in your bed it's not it's not food poisoning and if you're not talking about shit first thing in the morning is it really starting your day off right? No, it's not. So, how you guys been? How's things going for you guys? Doing pretty good, man. We've been uh, very productive very busy lately um we got a couple shows coming up this weekend that we're getting ready for um going up to chain reaction in anaheim and then uh we're doing bakersfield the next day with our buddies in mark life and bears among men some other really awesome bands good terms so that'll be that'll be a fun time definitely looking forward to that and then uh, June's going to be a pretty busy one for us. I think we're gone every weekend in June and um, trying to get another album done before the end of the year, hopefully. So nice. Yeah. And then you got uh, Blue Ridge coming up in September. That's, yeah, it's going to be wild. I think, uh, I don't think it's really hit any of us yet because this is by far and why the biggest thing that we've ever done together. Mm. Um, I think the next biggest thing we've done before that was probably opening for Ezeli Dying. And I think they said they're expecting something around 200,000 or something this year, maybe more. So that's a yeah. pretty big leap for us. 
Yeah, so Very excited. Last year, it was about between thirty to forty thousand per day, um, at four days. So it was about uh, roughly around between uh, you know one hundred and twenty to one hundred sixty thousand people. Um, and where they were at last year, that was pretty much all they could fit. This year, mm-hmm. being at the raceway, they could probably do a lot more. Um, so it should be interesting. I mean, let me tell you what, though, man. It was uh, my first year last year, um, and it was a sight to see. Because one of the things that I thought was really, really cool um, from my perspective was, you know, having the opportunity to talk to you guys or to talk to them at the time a month, two months, three months, four months out from the show. And then talking mm-hmm. to you guys, you know, as you know, times goes on because I, I don't like to be a one and done. If we if we if we had a connection on the show, we're gonna we're gonna maintain friends. We're gonna talk whatever. And you know, if you guys get another single come out, you know, hit me up. We'll bring you back before the show. I don't give a fuck. You know, whatever we gotta do to help promote you. Um, that's what the show's mm-hmm. about. It's about promoting. I don't care if I bring you on five times in a year. I'll, if I like you, you're gonna do that. I mean, that's what it is. It's it's my show for that reason. I want to make sure I promote everybody I possibly can, big and small. Um, but last year doing that and then, you know, getting, getting these friends and so on and so forth. And then seeing their reaction that first time, because a lot of them said the exact same thing you just did, that this was mm-hmm. their, this is their biggest opportunity, the biggest thing that they've had. And then to see their reactions and see the crowd reactions and then just, it was unfucking real. So Two of my close personal friends' um, bands. So I got the band Dying Oath, who was playing again this year. Um, became really close with her last year. And let me just tell you what, man. When they opened up that show, so they went on second the day they played. I believe it was sat- Friday or Saturday. I can't remember. But they all went on directly after Stitched Up Heart. So technically, Stitched Up Heart opened for them is the, is the running joke between Mixie and her. <laughs> but um, they had probably three to four thousand people at the start of their show because they just their the the stages were side by side and the people from Stitch Up Heart just kind of walked over and watched Dying Oath, and then it just kind of grew. Probably got to about six thousand people, and awesome. just seeing the amount of uh, it was just awesome. It brought tears to my eyes. It honestly did. And then another band I became good friends with, a band out of uh, New Jersey called named Orin. Um, same thing. I mean, just seeing how awesome they were, and just you know just the people that came to support them, it literally again brought tears to my eyes. Um, and, and that is just like the coolest part because to know that, you know, I get to see that progression from you know the you know from during the promotion stage to the time it all you know comes to fruition is a cool part because I get to know I, I, I get to know that myself is just a small piece in that puzzle, but I like to know mm-hmm. that I was a, a small piece in that puzzle just for that sake right there, just so I can, again, be a part of it in some which way because that's why I do this. I love music. I love everything that encompasses music, whether it's the mental health stuff, whether it's the writing process, whether it's whatever, to the performing itself. I love everything about music, and... That's why I do this to bring it, you guys to the, my fans, and you know expose more people to your art. Um, and the more I can do that, the better off everyone's going to be because you guys have a, deserve a, a biggest platform as anybody else. 
That's awesome. I love it. How long have you been doing these uh, shows for? So I've been doing the show itself, the podcast. It's going on. Um, it was February of 2020 when it launched. And okay. so it's been 24, 25 months now. No. That's awesome. No, 27, 28 months. Yeah. And uh, what is that? What has that been like for you just coming from like the start of COVID to now, like with how it's developed? So it's funny. Um, wow. This is a great conversation. Um, see, I, I love it when people turn the, turn the, the tides on me. Um, so it's been funny. So the show started off um, just as me and my buddy just shooting the shit, talking about nothing. We were literally mm-hmm. like the Seinfeld of podcast. We had no platform. We had no niche. We had nothing. It was just fun conversations. Um, the, the original name of the show was, so my co-host's name was Cameron. So for some reason, we decided to name the show Shut Up Cameron because he just talked too much and I always had to tell him to shut up. So we called it Shut Up Cameron. And uh, around this time, oh, so it's almost been exactly two years now. Um, around this time, two years ago, him and I, you know, kind of, so it only lasted a few months. Him and I uh, went our separate ways and I carried on the show with a different co-host and we, I renamed the show to, uh, to Suck It Podcast. So just literally <laughs> suck it. Um, but the whole idea behind Suck It was um, the whole, it kind of went to that whole mental health thing. It was for the longest time I was always told as a kid to suck it up. And when it comes to mental health issues, you can't just suck it up. So Mm. my um, philosophy has always been for anyone who tells you to suck it up in life, you can just tell them to suck it. So that's where the show name came from. Um, And... Me and my other co-hosts, we kind of, again, didn't really have a niche niche at all. We were kind of interviewing comedians. We were just kind of bullshitting around. We talked to influencers. We talked to this, talked to that. And um, I eventually found another co-host, um, but I was doing kind of two shows simultaneously. That was, um, so I ended up doing like six shows a week at the time. And it was a Saturday show with me and this other co-host where we just focused on music. And um, after a while, my other co-host left. And then my Saturday co-host went to my full my my full time co-host, and uh, we started incorporating a lot more music. And then eventually she left the show, and I just continued on with music. And um, for a while there, it was I, I had no idea what I was doing. I've always had a partner, so I realized real quick that I didn't want to be a traditional interviewer because I don't know how mm. to do that. So it's always I, I've learned, you know, in the four or five months that I got to that point, I was like, I'm just going to keep it conversational and I want it to be raw, real. I want it to have no limits and see what happens. People, you know, uh, kind of bit onto that and uh, just kept going and going and going. And then as the pandemic kind of, you know, opened up last year, um, I was with somebody that said, hey, why, why don't you try to get into Blue Ridge? And I was like, OK, cool. So I started, you know. Um, it was somebody else's idea, so I, I took it and ran with it. Um, they were really supportive of it, and uh, ended up getting in, and you know, like I said, doing like almost sixty interviews prior to the show, and then I've been focused on nothing but that kind of stuff ever since. And uh, beginning of the year, I rebranded from Suck It to the Dark Side of Music um, to make it more appealable. 
<laughs> to um to sponsors and you know just it's just a, it's a it's a more appealing name because it wasn't growing as fast as I wanted it to and now this year has been a turn for the amazing and it's just been absolutely you know um it started with you know Blue Ridge and I got into Welcome to Rockville but like I said I I was un unable to uh attend due to some personal issues but then uh this coming Wednesday I've got nothing more and asking Alexandria, which it's going to be great. Oh my God, dude. When I got the, uh, the invite from better noise to do that, I was like, you want me to do a in-person interview with the guys? Okay. I'm there. Um, so, you know, it's, it's been a hell of a ride, man. It's been almost 400 episodes. I'll be, you know, closing in on soon. And, wow. you know, probably 300 of those being bands, the other 100, you know, comedians or actors and stuff like that, because, you know, at first, like I said, I really didn't have a niche. And it wasn't until after my second co-host left that I kind of really, you know, cracked down on nothing but music. And it's been a hell of a ride, man. It really has. Um, but the coolest part about it is meeting people like you um, and really kind of, you know, I used to be a musician back in the early 2000s and I gave it up because of politics. I I back when I was, you know, you know, young and spry when I was in my twenties, it was all about getting on the radio and what mm -hmm. was radio friendly. And I wasn't the radio friendly guy. I loved my, my metal and every band I worked with were like, Oh, that's, that's too harsh. They're never going to get played on the radio. I'm like, why do we need to get played on the radio? And eventually after a few years of dealing with that, I just eventually walked away. Um, and now this is my way of, you know, giving back to the community that I left 20 years ago. And uh, I never want to walk away from it again. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like the whole idea of it because I think you get to see kind of the real side of people. Because when people look at bands, they it's almost like they get held on a pedestal and what people don't really seem to wrap their head around is they're just they're just people there and it doesn't matter how big or small they're always going to have some crazy issues going on or or things are going to go really smooth like you never know it's it's still regular people just living a different kind of life you're 100 percent right um and it that is especially true of the indie band you know, the band that struggles to save up enough to get that recording time. Struggles, you know, to, you know, hopefully learn enough to be able to mix it themselves. And um, if not, you know, hopefully saves up enough to get a good mixer. Um, and then make sure that, they, you know, they have somebody that knows how to, you know, master and, you know, everything like that. And then, it, it, but then on top of that, making sure that they have time to practice maybe two to three times a week if they can, because on top of that, they're also working a nine to five and some people are working a nine to five and a five to 12, <laughs> you know, it's so much going on and then trying to find time to, you know, tour. And if you don't have the, the, the time saved up from work, then you're going to be like, okay, I got to quit this job. Am I going to be able to find one when I come back in order to go do this three-month tour? And if I do this three-month tour, will I, have, will I make enough money to do that? There's so much involved. So you guys have it uh, – what's the word? I want to say better and worse than your big bands. 
because you guys get to experience it all. Yeah. And that's the best part and about it. I think, I mean, we've been, as musicians collectively, we've been playing either in bands with each other or alongside each other in other local bands for probably 16 years, 15 years, maybe more. Um, and we, we're kind of blessed because we, we do everything ourselves. So everything up to this point, except our last couple of music videos, we've done ourselves. We record ourselves, mix master, all of that. And it's, it's been a blessing and a curse, I think, just because it's like, we've put in the time and the work to get it where it is from where it started is night and day now but we've also been on the other side of that where you know you saved up the money to go to a producer you spend two thousand dollars you practice your ass off to get those tracks great and then you get it back and you're like this is awful yep. like they didn't do what you had in your head and i think that's the benefit of doing it yourself is like you know what you want it to sound like so if you learn how to do those things and invest the time you can get it to sound closer to what you're trying to go for maybe not exactly but probably closer than putting it in the hands of someone who doesn't know exactly what you're going for yeah oh i i definitely agree with you on that and i'm glad you brought that up because we're gonna talk about that uh because i love talking about that part of it uh we'll, so we'll, we'll jump into that more but first we're gonna go ahead and play another song from the new album dream state here is a song called mora
And that was Mora by Preacher off their new album, Dream State. Let's go ahead and bring back Stan to have more of a conversation. If I can ever get back to my Zoom and unpause the thing, you know. Too many damn windows open on my damn computer. (laughs) No, that is... I have a recording program open in the background so I can hear myself good. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I use, I have to use, I <clears throat> uh, use Zoom for the talking part and that, you know, for you and I, and then I have my, my recording program, OBS, you know, which records everything and also my multiple camera views and my picture in picture and all this other crap, which is the one that actually sends out to the to the world. And then I have my, my Amazon Music, thank you, sponsored. Uh, you know, <laughs> and then you know everything else going on. I got like ten different windows open. It's like I can't figure it out anymore. Um, so you brought up a good point uh, prior to the break about control. Um, and I feel that was part of the one of the things that I was you know kind of alluding to before is you guys get the best part of it. Um. The fact that you guys do have that control in, you know, some of the bigger bands, because even if you're a Slipknot, even if you're uh, asking Alexandria, or if, even if you're, uh, you know, nothing more, or uh, you know, whoever, you know, you still have people over your neck mm-hmm. stating, "Tweak this. I don't like that." All right, I'll give you guys seven songs, but you guys got to give me four. Or whatever the case might be, you know? Um, And so much so that, you know, Slipknot, once they release this next album, they're dropping Roadrunner and they're going independent. Um, Which, you know, they have the money to do. They're not going to, it's not going to, it's not going to, they'll probably make more money being independent, to be honest with you. Yeah, they'll probably make a lot more. Um, (laughs) But uh, the thing about it is, you know, when you are independent or even on a, independent label you have that creative freedom Mm -hmm. and that is truly 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 important because you have a message that you want to convey whether again it's a uh, you know a thing of mental health whether it's political whether it's personal whatever the case might be you have a message that you want to convey and you have a certain thing inside of your head that the way it sounds. And then you guys take it together and you guys practice it and whatever. Cool. This is exactly the way we want it to sound. Let's take it to the studio. And then only mm. to hear somebody else come up from behind saying, eh, I don't like that. Or it, maybe if you did this, or maybe if you, you know, change the time signature, maybe if you, I, I don't, why is, why is metal always got to be in drop D? Come on, people. You know, whatever the case might be. Um, yeah. Do you have to be a gent band? Can't, do you have to really be gent? Uh, you know, whatever the case might be, there, there's always something to nit, nitpick at you guys. And mm. when you don't have to worry about that, you get the most, uh, most authentic self. And I think that is truly remarkable. It's, it definitely beats um, having someone come and be like, oh, you have this song. Okay, well, I don't like two-thirds of it. We're going to take this third you made and we're going to turn it into what we want it to be, where I think all of us individually 
and as a band are hard enough on ourselves as it is like we do do that to each other you know but I think at the end of the day it it works out better because all of us are happy with it all of us are satisfied we all as much as our drummer who's like the mixing mastering or mixing and mastering mastermind probably hates it we we get a say in the mix and I think just with all of our feedback it ends up being something that we can at the end of the day be happy with we don't put something out where we're like man like I wish we didn't do that I mean obviously when you progress in your career you look at older stuff you did and we're like well I wish I would have done that differently but yeah I I don't think that's ever going to change but I think in the moment being able to say yes this is this is exactly how I want people to hear it it's it's a really satisfying feeling yeah and you know it when we talk about conversations like this it it almost makes me you know wonder how some of the major bands are feeling and which leads me to this so as most people know um parkway drive canceled their american tour back in april and then today they released a a statement on facebook that almost sound like a farewell it almost sounds like a a love note to the fans and kind of saying goodbye and it, I'm going to read it now because it kind of goes with everything that we're talking about, but at the same time, just kind of like that whole mindset. Um, and you tell me what you think. The last okay. few years have been tough on everyone. Having toured nonstop for 17 years, the shutdown was a major challenge. While we set our minds on other creative paths, we also gained our greater perspective on the impact of this band had on us. Mental health is an ever-present issue within our society. And we are no success, no exception. As touring started back up, we find ourselves at a crossroads. Continue down the same path, risk more damage, and more likely destroy the band and ourselves, or take the time needed to do the work on ourselves and heal. We are doing the work and know that ultimately this was the right choice. Thank you again for understanding. At the end of the day, we are all just human beings doing the best we can. Be kind and please speak to someone if you ever need help. You know, when you hear a band as big as Parkway Drive, you know, put out a statement like that, it really hits home. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said at the beginning of this episode, you know, bands are just like everybody else. You know, they deal with the mental health issues, they deal with the personal struggles, they deal with this, they deal with that. And we don't see that a lot of the times because realistically, and I know this from personal experience, you know, outside of, you know, an interview with, you know, Sirius XM or your local radio station or listening to them on the radio, or listening to them on tour, you don't really hear much about them. And you don't ever really hear about that kind of stuff. Because when you get a a guy like me who wants to interview them and talk about that, you've got a PR person saying, no, 
we're not talking about that. You've got to stick to this. And I don't like to stick to this. I've only been asked to stick to this one time in two years, and I'm really proud of that. And that was when I was talking to Bad Wolves. They asked me not to mention Tommy. And yeah, I can imagine that'd be a sore subject. That And I respected that. But they said, nothing else is off limits. And I was like, thank you. And for, you know, so I, again, because of that, I respected that. But if they came at me and said, no, no, Tommy, no, this, no, that, no, this, no, that, that would have been a different conversation. But, you know, I've never had an issue with that, but I've had, you know, on, with people on the show, I've had people, you know, want to come on the show, but then PR was like, nope, we're not doing that. <laughs> so the problem is, you know that they're just like you and I. Mm -hmm. they know they're just like you and I, but the management and the, you know, the publicists and the, this and the, that don't allow them to be just like you and I. And then you get mm -hmm. statements like that, that prevent them, you know, that I bet you that was put out without, you know, PR approval, you know, it yeah. is what I'm hoping that it was. And if it was, I'm I'm proud of the P. If it wasn't, I'm proud of the PR team for allowing something like that to go out. Um, but at the same time, it's like there's not enough conversations in the world that allow for this type of you know thing to happen more regularly. You know, and I brought this up a couple times in the last few weeks because I'm just so proud of it. So. Um, I had on, as the lead up to uh, Rockville, I had on um, Lil Lazar, okay, um, who was really huge last year with her song Anarchy. She's, you know, she's married to the lead singer of Blackville Brides, has a whole awesome thing going for herself. Um, but what a lot of people don't know, unless they go back and research her, she was a runner-up on The Voice. She was a huge pop star for a long time, and so on and so forth. And so she's been in this business for 15 years and she just rebranded herself, renamed herself, you know, changed her name, so on and so forth. In the last, you know, year and a half came out with anarchy and all this other stuff. And when I had my interview with her, she's like in 15 years, I have never talked about the things that we've talked about today. I have never opened up outside of the things that we've talked about. And that was a huge feather in my cap. I'll admit that, and I'm, you know, right now I'm doing a little bragging because I'm so proud of myself in that moment, and I won't lie about that, but at the same time, it made me think, it's like, there's a huge gap here. There's a huge disconnect here. More mm -hmm. fans, you know, she deserves, <clears throat> I'm someone that only gets forty to 50,000 listeners a day. I am still small potatoes in this world of podcasting and radio and internet, so on and so forth. Forty to 50,000 a day is not a lot of people when you look at the grand scheme of things. She should have the opportunity to be able to talk to more people about those things. Her alcohol abuse, her drug abuse, her, her struggles with mental health. You know, Parkway Drive should be able to do the same thing. You know, I want you to think back to the days of Chester, okay? Prior to him committing suicide. 
How many times, if you ever heard an interview or read an interview from him, how many times can you, off the top of your head, yeah, they mention mental health and the struggle, yes, but they always hint around it. They didn't really go deep into it. They never really had long, drawn-out conversations about that kind of stuff. Same thing with Chris Cornell. Same thing with all these other people that struggled. You never hear these things. And that's the outside of, you know, the in your ear talking shit about your music and changing things for the people. You've also got these people controlling about what you can and can't talk about in interviews. So when do these musicians ever truly get to be themselves? And that's why, you know, I'm a firm believer in independent because again you get to be your truest self you know you get to find out exactly who you are you don't have anybody sitting behind you saying you know what maybe you shouldn't say this maybe you shouldn't talk about this maybe you shouldn't write about this it's your truest form and i i believe that is again it's 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 the it's amazing when i think like artists musicians actors alike there's a whole Another side to that where, um, you know, the band Polaris from Australia, they have a really good song that kind of goes into this. I believe it's called Martyr. And it kind of goes into the fact of like, well, you, you want me to be this and you want me to be this. And you want me to be this for you. And, I, you know, I can only be so many things. I, I'm trying to be my own person too. And I think a lot of fans in particular don't, necessarily understand that they're just other people and they they look to them to solve their problems you know it's like I'm depressed I need your music to make me feel better and they're looked at almost I would say as like deities almost you know and they're not they're not valued as individual people and like you said they they go through the whole censorship thing and it's like, they're not even allowed to try and relate. I think that's a major issue. And, you know, I think people like Joe Rogan, love him or hate him. I love that people can come on his show and it's completely unscripted. It's uncensored. They go into whatever they want to do. And I think that, I, I think your show is going to be an awesome platform for music as a whole, for people to be able to do that on a different level. And I appreciate that. And that's all I've ever really wanted. Uh, because one thing that I left out in the, uh, in the, you know, the whole lead up to how this show was created and, you know, the last two years, yada, 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 was the fact that, you know, at the center of this whole thing was the fact of back in 2018, November 2nd, 2018, I had a suicide attempt. Um, and at the exact moment I was about to do the deed, um, a song by the band Bad Flower came on the radio. Um, Great the song, band. The song Ghost, you know, their most famous song, an anti-suicide song, came on the radio, and I immediately stopped what I was doing. And I was able to reevaluate my moment, you know, hey, my family, my kids, my this, my that. I need to, you know, get help. Um, and I had just been diagnosed as bipolar like a week or two before then, and I had just got on my meds, and so I attribute, you know, the, the changing of my body chemistry and adjusting the meds, you know, it all be part of that. But at the same time, um, I was in a dark, dark place, and um, that song literally saved my life. 
and at the center of this show is that right there. The fact that in November 2nd, 2018, I realized something that I've always known but never truly understood the power of music until that moment. I knew in my heart, or at least I thought I did, how powerful what you guys do is. And yes, you know, I still look at Josh as someone who saved my life. And I, I don't know if I look at him as a deity, but I look at him as someone who was there for me that day, even though he has no idea who I am. Actually, no, I take that back. He does know who I am because I, I met him last, last year at Blue Ridge. And when I ran up to him and, again, was censored by his, um, his management and his security, when I you know, was backstage, just happened to run into him. And I was like, hey, I just wanted to talk to you for a second. And I saw my media pass and they were like, no interviews. I'm like, I don't want an interview. I just want to tell him something real quick. Hold the fuck on. And he's like, what's up? And I told him that story. And he, was, he gave me a hug, and he said, thank you very much for being here. I appreciate you telling me that. And that was it, because then his management scooped him away, and they ran him away. But, you know, again, another victim of the censorship stuff. But, mm. you know, it's stuff like that that is important to, you know, if I never get to talk to him again, that's fine. Because in that moment, I got to tell him my story and thank him. And I'm sure in, you know, for the next 20 minutes, maybe if I'm lucky, you know, that meant something to him. Um, or maybe he still looks back on it. I don't fucking know. I doubt it. But, you know, that's one thing I think that is missing, too, is the fact that, you know, the you guys being known to your fans for what you guys have done for them. And and then when you guys give a honest, genuine reaction and not just like, oh, you know, that's awesome, man. What a, you know, like, you know, that standard, you know, rock star answer. But when you get, you know, get that real human being reaction, that's when they finally understand. Because prior to that moment, you are just some larger than life deity. Mm-hmm. But it takes a, a moment of humbleness sometimes them to come off of that and quote unquote break character uh, from what they're told they have to be and again i feel that's that huge gap that we have in this industry um because you know love him or hate him too like you know tom cruise you know years and years and years ago let's go ahead and take that whole matt lauer conversation out where he's talking about you know uh adhd drugs and stuff like that i'm not talking about that but like he was so excited that he was in love with, uh, you know, uh, whatever her name is, Kate, whatever, um, that he jumped up on Oprah's couch and he got all excited and he was actually showing emotion. People thought he lost his damn mind, mm-hmm. you know, or the fact that sometimes you, the only way you get to see an emotional um, actor or TV personality or movie personality is if you're talking to Barbara Walters and that's only once a year, if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. You know, when do we get to see that these people are real? And I think that's, again, that's a huge, not just in music, in television, in movies, um, everywhere. We don't get that anymore. And I feel that's where the disconnect comes. And I think that needs to be, there needs to be a bridge. There really does. Yeah, and, you know, all they're all expected to wear this face. It's like an expectation. And... Unfortunately, it's a lot of it's a lot of their fans' expectation without them even realizing that that's what they're doing. 
And I think like the therapy that your average listener can get from listening to a song, I feel like maybe is not the same for musicians because once you become a musician, everything kind of changes. The way you listen to things changes, the way you hear it changes. You see like all the other musicians in a different light almost. And it's, it's weird. It's this weird it is. thing. It's, it's hard to explain, but. You know, a, a few years ago, many years ago, actually, um, there was a joke on South Park, not South Park, um, the family guy, not the family guy, family guy. I don't know why I said that um, on family guy where Taylor Swift started dating Chris and she wrote a song about how much she loved him and how happy she was. And her crowd, her fans, shit all over her. Like, no, we want you to be miserable again. And it's always made me wonder, if she ever did write a song, let me rephrase that, if she ever wrote a song that, um, for those of you listening on the radio right now, there was air quotes in there, um, that said, I've met the man of my dreams. How many people that were her fans for the last 15 years would actually like that song? I don't know. They, they, they want to shake it off, man. They, they do, or they want her to be miserable. Yeah. They want her to write, uh, you know, talking shit songs about John Mayer or whoever the latest, you know, you know breakup is that she's had. You know, I, I, I'm, you know, it's, that's the type of stuff that we put them on, you know, you know, Taylor Swift, the the queen of all failed relationships. And that's where her family, that's where her fans want her to be. The yeah. moment she gets married and has a kid, she's done. And yeah, that's it's, sad. It's crazy that people, they've almost built careers out of being what their expectation is. It's like people expect them to be this. As long as they keep doing this, they're going to keep making money. Once they make a human decision to change or I don't want to do this thing in my life anymore. I want to do this thing. Then all these fans are like, fuck this person. Yep. So a great <laughs> example of that would be, uh, would be Adele. You know, yeah. Adele was huge. And then all of a sudden she got married and then had a baby and gave up music for a long time. Then she came back. What happened after she came back? Fucking nothing. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm using pop examples here, guys, but there's the best examples that I could come up with at the time. I'm still sick. Leave me alone. Uh, <laughs> I'm not using metal examples. So fucking sorry. Um, but it's, it's true, though, because that's what that's the corporate mentality. You know, if. Let's see here. If. If Courtney from Spirit Box got pregnant tomorrow, took a year and a half off, and then came back a year from now, nobody would give a shit. Nope. <laughs> nobody would give a shit. Because we love Courtney LaPlante. We love Spirit Box. We don't yeah. love this corporate machine that, quote-unquote, Spirit Box has, has been created by. No, everything that they have done has been a grassroots project. You know, how many singles and how many this or that 
over the course of like nearly two years did they do prior to that that album release last year? You know, how many interviews and conversations do they have about how they were treated like absolute shit? And I wrestled a bear mm. once prior to going on. You know, everything they've done is them. Adele, as, you know, as much as she has got a voice of an angel and how amazing she is as an artist, not a musician, an artist, um, people stopped caring about it. The moment she said, I'm done with music for right now, I want to raise a family. Mm. When it's, it's even crazy to see how, I mean, don't quote me on this, it's just from a, a spectator's view, per se, the, the way they market Spirit Box. They market Courtney LaPlante. They don't market, they don't really market the fact that the guitar player is her husband. husband. And they don't market the fact that they've been married for a very long time. And th that, that whole thing, you know, he's got kind of a fan base over here of guitar players. Mm -hmm. But when you think Spirit Box, that's, that's who you think of because that's what they're pushing. Yeah. And or the fact that they were both in I Wrestle the Bear once. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just Courtney. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's you know, it, there's a lot with that. You're 100 percent right. But at the same time, it's is that the way the band wanted it or is that the label? We don't know. But, but at the end of the day, whatever it is they're doing, it's working. But they're not yeah. pushing. They're not like shoving Courtney down our, our throats. They're just saying, hey, she's the front woman and she deserves her, her shine. Yeah. You know? And it's not even that she's a front woman. She's just the front person. You know? Yeah. I, I feel in in rock metal, yeah, we do have our strong feminine, you know, front women that want to be front women. You know what I'm saying? They want to be that dominant woman to, for the for the little girls to say, hey, look, look what we've done in a man's world. Mm. We have that, but at the same time, we also have women who don't care about being a front woman. We have who just want to be a front person who doesn't who don't care if they're male, female, whatever. They just want to be known as being a good front person. On the pop side, I feel the feminism is pushed down our throats hardcore. Yeah. Um. And I might not, and I might be, you know, looking too much into it. But at the same time, that's how I feel. So I feel like the moment you take the whole feminism, 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 and then take it away and say, "Oh, I'm, I'm gonna go do the traditional mom thing," that's when they kind of do the whole. I thought you were a feminist. You're gonna go be a mom now? That's not feminism. Yeah. Well, yes, it is because it's them doing what they want to fucking do. But I digress. Um. But it's just it's again that two sides of the coin, and it's it's interesting to see the disconnect between fans and each genre, um, and to see how women are portrayed in one genre versus the other. And I've talked to a lot of women in this genre that again love being that front woman, that strong female, you know, that's kicking ass in a man's world. But at the same time, I've talked to a lot to say they don't want to be known as that. Um, mm. They just want to be. You know, they want to be talked about as equals. They don't want to be talked about as the woman. Um, but again, on the pop side, I don't feel that as much. So I, again, I think that's another problem with that corporate machine as well is that, oh, look, at we got we got to market this woman in a certain way. So I don't fucking know. 
but you know, so it's either make them really happy or really miserable, or they can't be a mom. (laughs) But regardless, at the end of the day, metal, in my opinion, is the most accepting, the most progressive, the most overlooked and positive form of music in the world today. And it's bands like yourself and Spirit Box and Asking Alexandria, Nothing More, you know, Avenged Sevenfold, all these amazing fucking bands that put out a positive message about mental health, about being, you know, positive, about, you know, learning from your life experiences and doing all this stuff and keeping it raw and real and true to who you are that make this genre so different and so better than everybody else. Well, you know, it's, it's such a different culture too. just metal versus pop. It's like you go to a metal show, you're going to meet some of the friendliest people you ever met in your life. Mm -hmm. You go to your, you know, someone drags you to a metal show. It's your first metal show ever. They're they're The friends that brought you are going to do everything they can to make that night so special for you. (laughs) Yep. And you never hear something like that about pop. It's like, ah, oh, it's let's go get let's go get high, do drugs. You know, yeah. it's it's I'm not saying everyone, but it's it's just a whole different thing. Like the metal is just a community. Yeah. And I think I think that's a big reason why I've gravitated in that direction is it's always been. The, the very first show I ever went to, um, it was like a hardcore show in this old venue that we used to have. It was like a this is just basically a basement of this industrial building. And I was super bummed. August Burns Red was supposed to play. And for some reason they didn't make it, but I remember just like watching the pit for the first time. And it, it, ever since then, I don't know what it was. It was just the energy in the room or something. I'd never felt anything like that. And yeah. I just don't feel that from anything else. And I, I like all kinds of music, but, metal is that music that makes me feel everything that I feel like I need to feel or need to get out or whatever it may be. You're hundred percent right. Um, metal does stuff that nothing, no other genre can do. Um, you know, and every time if you've never been to a metal show or if you're coming across this show for the very first time and you're like, maybe I'll give metal a chance, whatever you are in for a treat. Yeah. You know, the, you are right. It is the biggest fucking family on the planet. Um, yeah, we have our assholes. Of course, every family does. We all have that uncle. <laughs> we all have uncle Rick in our family. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. <laughs> but we ignore uncle Rick and we just move to our other cool uncles and brothers and sisters and everybody else like that. Um, but, there's more of the happiness than there is of the uncle Rick. Um, and, um, if you've ever, if you've never been a part of it, this is the year to do it. Um, metal and rock is probably as big as it's been in a long, long time. And it's starting to make some serious waves. Um, and if you haven't been to a festival and you're going to be in the, you know, Virginia, North Carolina area, um, in September, get your tickets to Blue Ridge Rock Fest at blueridgerockfest.com to see 
this amazing band, Preacher, um, playing that fucking weekend along with a m- 150 other fucking bands. Um, all the headliners have still not been, you know, let out yet, but it's also going to be headlined by Slipknot and a bunch of other fucking bands. Um, and for all of you old school metalheads, for those of you who don't fucking know yet and you haven't heard this yet, making a return, getting back together for the first time in, I think it's 10 years? A reunion show from the band, God Forbid. Fuck yes. It's going to be fantastic. They just gave me chills down my (laughs) spine. And poor Doc has got to play double fucking, uh, you know, because Bad Wolf's playing that weekend and, you know, uh, God forbid is playing that weekend. So he's got to, you know, double do, double duty, double do, eh, double duty. Kind of like me in the bed. Ah, double duty. But, uh,. That was a horrible joke, Derek. Good job. Um, but it's going to be a hell of a fucking weekend. Um, get your tickets now for Blue Ridge Rock Fest at the uh, Virginia International Speedway. Um, I guess the tickets are on sale now. It's just last year I went and it was at the time of my life. Uh, four full days of five stages. Um, Slipknot, Disturbed, Ghost. Three Doors Down, Day to Remember, Lamb of God, Alice Cooper, Tenacious D, Falling in Reverse, I Prevail, Stone Temple Pilot, Seether, Gojira, Skillet, Anthrax, Pierce the Veil, Kill Switch Engage, Hollywood Undead, In This Moment, Motionless in White, Jelly Roll, Ice Nine Kills, Down. Um, then we even got some rappers and Nelly coming in as well. A reunion show by the band Saliva, in, which features Josie Scott for the first time in like 15 fucking years. Wage War, Nothing More, Theory of a Dead Man, except, oh, I can't even list them all. I'll be here for another hour. It's going to be an amazing If you listen to show. metal, that's the one. If you listen to metal, this is the show to fucking be at. Um, and that's not to take away from Aftershock or Louder Than Life or Incarceration. Um, those are going to be four days of amazingness as well. But if you live in the Southeast or the South, you know, Mid-Atlantic, whatever, this is the show to be, be at. And again, playing that day, playing that weekend, Preacher, out of Nevada. Um, Stan, it's been an absolute fucking pleasure talking to you this last hour. Um, Likewise, man. I cannot Thank wait you to for me- having us. Hey, no problem, man. I cannot wait to meet you come September. Um, and I uh, can't wait to see what you guys do. Excuse me. Can't wait to see you guys do live. Absolutely. We'll have to link up when we get there. That'd be awesome. Absolutely. And if you guys got anything else you want to talk about or promote prior to then, just hit me back up and we'll definitely uh, bring you back on the show. Sounds great, man. Thank All you. Right. Really appreciate it. Hey, no problem, man. We have a great rest of your night. We'll talk again soon. You as well. All right, man. Bye. Bye. All right. And that was Stan from the band <clears throat> Preacher. And make sure when you search them on Spotify or Apple Music or Amazon Music, wherever you get your music, search them as Preacher NV, um, Preacher Space NV, as in uh, Nevada. So Preacher NV on all their amazing music platforms. But yeah, Blue Ridge Rock Fest is going to be an absolute fucking banger this year, so definitely check that out. Again, BlueRidgeRockFest.com. 
But guys, thank you so much for fucking being here on a Tuesday. I love each and every one of you all so fucking much. Come back again tomorrow for the band. We Demand Parachutes. Another Blue Ridge Rockfest band. We Demand Parachutes will be on tomorrow. But guys, we're going to go out with one more song by the band Preacher. A song called Love Language. So we'll be back again tomorrow, guys. But until then, stay happy, stay healthy, stay fucking heavy. Here is Love Language by the band Preacher. See you tomorrow. Peace.